0: Well, as Alan mentioned, Pastor Jason is out today, and so I'll be speaking to you this morning, and we're going to be in, in John 14, and as, as you're turning there, the children can be dismissed now for their time in, in kids' church, and i will be up in the chapel upstairs. It fits with what, what Alan was speaking to and how things happen, stuff comes up. And and that's where the disciples don't realize it yet at this point, but that's where they're going to be very soon, which is why this section we're reading starts with Jesus saying what he said as let not your hearts be troubled. He knew that they were going to start feeling the anxiousness. They were going to start feeling confusion on what's going on, and they were in the time of the Messiah being there. And Jesus was preparing them for this time when he wouldn't physically be there, but would still be guiding them in different ways. And, and that's what we're going to be looking at today, is, is this section um, near the end of John, of course, near the end of his, of his gospel there, near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he's feeling, he's feeling a certain level of, of, of troub- troubledness, knowing what's to come battling his own emotions of what he's going to be going through in those next hours. But still, being the good shepherd, still being caring, still being wanting to take care of his, of his flock here, of, of still comforting them, even as he himself, in the following chapters, will go seek comfort from, from God as he, as he prays in the garden here. But... This would have been confusing. This would have been confusing for the disciples. We, we have to get into their mindset, of course, of understanding this time they were in. They were at, in a lot of ways, peak ministry of Jesus. Jesus was casting demons out. He was delivering big sermons, like the Sermon on the Mount, and smaller messages around in the cities. And people were coming. More and more people were coming. They were gathering in. There were lame people walking. There were blind people seeing. Even now, Lazarus would have come out of a tomb. They would have seen other times when when things like that happened too. Of 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 people dead or near dead, alive again and walking around and fine and rejoicing in those ways. They it would have been this time of as we say now. Jesus was killing it. He was doing great. Things were. That's what they were seeing here. Like this, everything is going so. Well, and they're in this time now of having this, having this meal together and, and, and being together as their, as their small group. He would have just come into the city to big fanfare recently, as we know, on that Palm Sunday. And so life, life felt good, minus the slight Pharisee trying to test Jesus a little bit or push or maybe try to get something more going, you know, other than those little things things are going well. That's what the disciples were feeling like. This is is great. But the chapter before where we're going to read here, Jesus is starting to hint at leaving them. That that he's not going to be around. And hints at this idea that one of them will betray him. And then ends up telling Peter that Peter's going to deny him three times. And so, the roller, we're, at, we're just at that point where the roller coaster is about to just really start going here. And that's where Jesus is with them. And that's why he wants to prepare them in this way. So let's read starting in verse 1 of John 14 there. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I will do it. So Jesus, here being the keen observer that he is, he, he notices that the disciples, you know, are starting to struggle. They're starting to understand what he means by some of these things that to them are maybe sounding a little cryptic, a little confusing. And so that's, like I said, where we start here with him saying, Don't get troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Um, Jesus, like I said, is probably feeling his own certain personal agony and personal struggles with knowing what's to come but still thinking about them still watching over them and he reminds them right off the bat there to essentially just keep trusting him he wants them to remember just keep trusting as you've been doing you've been trusting me so far you've seen the things i've done you were you've been following me all this time just trust that I got this, that I know where things are going. He's trying to get through to them that though things are going to look different for a time, there's going to be a time where it's not going to be the same as it has been for these last few years, that it's going to be okay. That just as they had trusted God for their lives before he was there, that they had been um, attempting to be good Jews and honoring God with their lives, that they would continue to do that just as the just as they have been doing and 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 Jesus can be trusted in that same way, and that's what he's trying to get them to see is that you can trust me just as you trusted God, and he kind of gets into that with them jesus was was getting through to them that this is really only the beginning, this is just the beginning of things that he wants them to see that you're it's going to feel like it's the end, but it's not this is just we're just at the starting gate still that's that's where we're at here, and, and there's this level of darkness and there's this level of dread that maybe comes with this, but he knows that this will lead, what this is going to lead to, and what this is going to mean for God's people, and what it was going to mean especially for all of us sitting in here as, as Gentiles, that this was going to be huge, in just how Jesus came and did this for all people, that he was bigger than just... Um, the, the king of the Jews, but the king of all the peoples of the earth in that way. And so Jesus did what Jesus does best here. He brings comfort. He wants to comfort them in this time. He reminds them really kind of of that perfect peace that, that would probably maybe just it should remind of like Eden. Just that, that shalom peace that there was when God first created everything and there was that time before the fall and, and that that was going to be coming again. That this time of peace with God, this time of, of having a, a, an actual communion with God was coming again in that there'd be room. There'd be room for all who believe. Um, he's explaining here too how God is generous. How God made a way for rebellious people, for his rebellious people to, to come and live with him, that, that Jesus was that way. Jesus was that way of bringing them in, That that we see God's mercy and grace, and even just the simple truth that this in his Father's house there's many rooms, that Jesus is saying that there's, there's room for everyone, that anyone whose eyes are open and believes it, can come in. We see God's mercy and grace, even in something, what just kind of seems like a passing phrase in that, oh, I have this house, but no, that there's, that there's many rooms, is this idea of God showing mercy and grace to many, to many people, anyone who came to trust and believe in him, that the God of the universe, of us all, um, was opening that up. The disciples, you know, they still weren't totally getting it. Some questions were being asked um, that God's plan was happening. He, Jesus was trying to get them to see that. They, they were still trying to put that together in some of the questions they, they, they asked in that way. And Jesus, more interestingly, probably to them in that moment especially, said this idea of how he was going to prepare a place for them. And and there's a lot in that statement, not not so much in the the literal sense of he has to go, you know, finish up some of the rooms that weren't quite done and kind of get, you know, whatever, Chip and Joanna to come and help him finish it up or something like that. But not in that sense of it, but that there's still a lot in what that means, that Jesus was preparing this place, that Jesus was giving a huge amount of hope in that one statement of, This place is going to be ready for you in that when the time has come, he will return. And and we see that. We see that in how Jesus, he wouldn't tell of this wonderful place, and that's what he's trying to get to them. He's like, why would I tell you about all this and then not come back to bring you to this place? Of course, I'm going to want to bring you into this place. That's why I am doing it to bring you to this place where all of the believers will be together in this place of being once again with God through Jesus and what he's done here. That that's the hope we hold on to. That he brings hope in that statement of, I'm going to prepare this place. And in that we know that means he wants us to come there. He's, he's preparing that place for us. And like I said, that doesn't, he's not preparing it in that traditional sense of when we think of readying a place, and that, but he's explaining in that what he's going to have to do, what's going to come to pass in those next few days, that the way he's preparing that place is through his sacrifice, through his death on the cross, that that's where that preparation is, in that we can't come into that place. We can't come into... We can't be connected again to God without this sacrifice, without this perfect lamb that was going to shed his blood in that way. And so he's our access point. He's the one who's worthy. Not us, we're not the ones who are worthy, but he's worthy. And that's what we see in Revelation. And I want to read this passage from from Revelation 5. It says, And they sang a new song. Numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So, the they that is talking about in this passage is the creatures and angels of heaven, that they were all rejoicing. They were all rejoicing the risen Christ in that way, that. That this vision that God gave to John in Revelation, it more even solidifies and gives us this picture of that hope, of that hope that we have in Jesus, from Jesus in that way, that He's the one who came to take away the sin for every tribe in every nation, that He's, wor- he's all will see that He is worthy. And so now to go back to where we're at here in John. So he's explaining this to me. He's explaining how he's preparing a place, and in turn us, that now we understand that this is for all who come to believe. But, of course, the other important word in here that the disciples would have been thinking about other than what this means for him to prepare is, of course, going. This idea of, I'm going. And he was starting to just gently warn them that he would be going, that he would be, like I said, gone for a time. He, he was going to physically leave them. And that's why we see in this that he makes the reassurance that this is temporal, that, that he'll return, that there will be a time where he comes back, that this, that this separation of him being away won't be for Forever. Um, and so it's it's, it's easy to, to, to pick up when reading on that that they're still not quite getting it again we're seeing that they're, they're asking these questions and when Jesus tells them that they know the way to him that's where Thomas speaks up and it's, it's really probably just saying what more than probably just him is thinking um, how can we know where you are going how can we know the way Again, put yourself in that moment of where they're at here. Um, they don't have the after-the-fact glasses like we have here. Um, they've literally been following Jesus, watching him, learning from him for around three years and just seeing how he lives, seeing how he teaches, learning how to teach like he teaches and just thinking this is how it's going to be. And they're trying to understand this. Uh, how? You're going, where you going, how are we supposed to know where you're going? And again, like I said, he's, he's asking this almost as a student to his teacher. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm following you, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from you, but you're going to leave? How does that work? And Jesus, of course, answers by stating one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, John 14, 6, is where Jesus answers him by saying he's the way, he is the way. That's who you look to. He is the truth and he is the life and no one comes to the Father but through him. He's completely opening up to them and allowing them to see this um, that the belief in him and understanding who he is as Savior and that he is the Son of God the one who's, who's come to do this that that um, Yes, they are to be following his teachings in his way, and that um, that's the truth they need of who he is and what he's done. That all of that is where life is found, and that's the truth they need to be living by. All of that comes through seeing that in him. So skipping ahead to verse 15 from there is where we see Jesus begin to start talking about having a helper. So we didn't read this, but he goes on to talk about this helper that was going to come. Um, God knew that we would still need help, that we are still a broken people, and we would need help uh, when Jesus is gone, that his people would need help. Um, we still would have to, to battle things here in this not completed, completed, complete world in that way that even though Jesus sacrifice happened and his resurrection happened that we're still in that time of, like we say often the now and not yet of of needing help needing aid needing needing a place to go to for for wisdom in that way and God made sure we had a way to have that here through his helper in his again in his grace In his kindness and his goodness, he sent us a helper. God's way of of being with us in the Holy Spirit. And that's how we have a means which God now uses to to penetrate our hearts, to to work on us, to convict us in moments, to, again, like I said, just be be his way of giving us wisdom in this now and not yet. Jesus came to begin that work and he lived perfectly and start that process of bringing God's kingdom and he is the way to that. And now the Holy Spirit would be the one that God would use through us and to penetrate other people now that he isn't here. That the Holy Spirit is what's used to, to comfort believers. His way of comforting and also his way of penetrating those whose eyes he's opening. So Jesus, as we know, isn't here in the flesh. um, But the disciples knew him in that way. They they enjoyed having Jesus with them in that way. And the Holy Spirit is our comfort that that there's a there's a joy we should have in knowing that God did Give us something. Give us this helper. That's huge. This is another place where, I don't, I don't. Sometimes I don't know if we stop and do think how how amazing that is. That that even though we are in this time of of Jesus being gone, that we aren't alone. That, of how amazing it is that God did bring us this this Holy Spirit, this helper, this comforter, this one that that gives us peace, and how He does use it to continue to grow His kingdom by working through us, but also just in working in, in people in that way. And then in a few more chapters in John, it's interesting how Jesus talks about it's better. It's better if he leaves. And, and that seems, of course, funny when you first think about that. Like, you know, it's better. Why would it be better that he's gone? Wouldn't it be better if Jesus stayed? But the bigger picture is that by Jesus going and by the Holy Spirit coming, the Helper coming, and entering into believers, that God has this presence with, with all of us, a permanent with, presence with all of his believers at all times, that that was going to be better, that Jesus wants to know how much better that is and what a gift that is. And so we see even Jesus pointing out that don't, to see the gift that that is, that that, God gave us in that way. And so there's a lot. There's a lot here. There's a few things I want to kind of point out here as we move into communion here is that obviously, you know, we see in these verses, that most importantly, that Jesus is the way. You know, the, the only way. Um, he's where eternal life is found and he's, he's, he's the main truth of everything, of how everything comes through him and his work. And, and that's the hard line. That's the hard line that you have in these verses here that, that the Bible doesn't, doesn't leave it up for debate that Jesus is the way, the capital W way, that that's, that's the way. And that, of course, causes pushback by people in the world. And then that leads to the second point here is that Jesus is setting up that there is going to be tough times coming. That there will be pushback. There will be tough things that are going to have to be faced by believers in the the meantime while he is away. Um, But that he reminds them that that's all right. That that those who are in Christ can ultimately have a peace in knowing that it's still finished. No matter what comes, what Jesus did still remains true and still remains our hope that no matter anything that piles on, that we have that hope in all of the turmoil that can come up with, within the world, our own country, all those things, that in the midst of that, that we can still ultimately have a peace in that hope of what's to come. That God's people are never, are going to still feel the stresses and, and certain anxiousness that the world brings, but at the same time, that they should be the ones that understand who they need to be running to. That they know the one they should be running to and to help other people See that, and that's, that's the great wonderful gift of the Comforter, of the Holy Spirit, His Helper, to come be with us, to, to rely on God to carry us through those times. And so, kind of, there's kind of the final thing here is that we all who do believe, who are trusting in Jesus in that way of knowing who He is as Savior. That we still are continually working out our salvation, that we're still growing and, and and learning in those ways. And the Bible talks about that to continually work out our salvation, continue to grow in the Lord. No matter how far down the line you are, we're still humans, broken humans, capable of error in those ways. And and, and even these first disciples and the you know, early apostle like like Paul in in that way, they were fighting temptations and hardships just the same. Just the same. That we all need to continually be growing in knowing the Word and and trusting the Word and resting in the Word in that way and casting our cares in prayer um, to God and thanking Him that He did open our eyes and that He has provided us with that so that no matter what comes, no matter what the world throws, that Jesus made the way and is the way, and that is where our hope comes, and, and that's huge, and that's where we're going to come and celebrate here at Communion is, is that very thing, that very work in remembering that. And so as the, as the worship team uh, comes up, I want to kind of close, close this part um, with the fact that the world, we live in a world that is very unpredictable. At times, we sometimes we don't know what each day is going to bring. And that can bring fears and anxieties to people in not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. But that's where we can think, God, that he is constant, and that he's generous, and that he's giving. And, and though we brought this upon ourselves, though we are the ones who... who failed, that he showed infinite love in sending Jesus in this way and Jesus coming and, and doing this for us. And that's what we're going to celebrate right now is remembering that sacrifice and remembering what Jesus did for us. And I think on top of that is to be reminded of what even Alan was talking about is that even as we come in reverence and even as we come in this what this moment means in this sacrifice, that it's still a place of celebration that that we take it in reverence but also in celebration that Jesus did it. That Jesus paid it all for us. And so, um, if you'll stand now, let's, um, or sorry, we're going to go into communion. Um, And so, um, we have open communion here. um, And so, uh, like I mentioned earlier this morning, we have that, that slip in your bulletin um, that just talks about how we treat communion here, what that means. And, and so as long as you can live under the words of that um, that invitation in your bulletin, we invite you to, to participate in communion. And so I'd ask the elders who are going to help with communion if they would come up now. And they're going to dismiss you by rows. And, and you'll, you'll come up and you'll grab your cups. And remember, it's two cups, the bottom cup having the bread the top cup having the juice in that way to make sure you grab um, both the cups and you'll come around and then just hold on to your cups as we um, will take um, communion together. And so the worship team is going to lead us now and the elders will dismiss you.
1: I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood, who fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood. And never till my dying breath will I forget that look. It seemed to change me. spoke My conscience felt and on the guilt and plunged me in despair I saw my sins his blood had spilled and helped to nail him there but with a second look he said I freely Forgive this blood. On me and me took my place.
0: So, as we prepare to take the elements here, I hope that's what you're thinking about, that you're remembering what this means, in that now. We do this in remembrance and that through the truth of this that you remember that your hearts don't have to be troubled. That we have Jesus. And so I'm going to read. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take a drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you rep- proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I want to close by reading from Philippians. I'll be up on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for coming today.